sides of white sides The devil is your only friend now White sides of white sides They're never gonna keep you on the ground It started out so subtle With daydreams in your head One day you'll take a rocket to the moon With not science or religion What I can offer you instead Is gonna get you on the front page of the news White sides, oh white sides The devil is your only friend now They're never gonna keep you on the ground I had a near-death experience when I was 12, and... Um, we could talk about that someday, but yeah, definitely, I think there's more to reality than what we see, touch, taste um, every day. Exactly what that is, it's kind of elusive. I don't know. Yeah. But maybe that's why I like conspiracies. <laughs> I'm open to I'm open to that elusive stuff. So um, well, some of the, I mean, we're talking Jack Parsons today. Some of the accounts in this story. Or like, oh, that satanic cult stuff is a bunch of malarkey. Well, that's why I thought but it'd be then, good to start there is because, yeah, you kind of look at it and you go, uh, it kind of looks like maybe he did make a deal with the devil and maybe it actually happened. Yeah, I don't know. And then you think, well, that, you know. It's not supposed to work, but it kind of <laughs> seems like maybe it did. And uh, careful what you wish for. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just like it might go if you made a, just, devil, a deal with the devil. Kind of worked you out. You made a way. bad demise, yeah. All right, so welcome to the Conspiracy Dad podcast. My name is Dante. This is Mr. Dave, and uh, we're so happy you guys are here. We're having a good time, uh, getting a lot of views. Uh, we're working on. There's lots to work on. We've had a lot of people to ask about merchandise. Uh, it's in the works, meaning it's in here. It just hasn't <laughs> actually, I haven't had time to like get it out there yet, yeah. but um, I, I do want some Remember Tusco shirts. I want some, you know, hats. I don't know. It's a good logo. Conspiracy Dad. Uh, we'll yeah. try to get it out there more, but keep keep in touch. If you're new to the, to the channel, to the podcast, please like, subscribe, anything you can do to promote us. If you can leave a review on iTunes, that's always helpful. Even better if it's a positive review and, you know, uh, tell us what you, what you're interested in. A lot of people have sent in, they'll send me notes like, um, are you going to do one on the moon landing? It's like such like a, do you know anything about? Yes, of course. Like, why would you? How could you have a conspiracy channel and not talk about the moon landing? Or the same thing. Are you, are you going to do a nine eleven episode? Yeah. It's our bread and butter. Like, yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. We're just waiting, waiting until we have a little more views, time. views to uh, to get there. So, I can only look up so many kooky things in a week. 
Um, so this week we're talking about the uh, very um, brilliant, strange, uh, possibly evil uh, Jack Whitesides Parsons. And if you don't know who he is, his original name was the, the coolest. I mean, he changed his name because his parents got divorced and his mom, his mom changed it back to, uh, or to Jack because she didn't want to remember the husband, I guess. But his original God, God honest name was Marvel Whitesides Parsons, which is the, I don't know how you show up on a playground and not be the coolest kid (laughs) if you're Marvel. Yeah. Can you imagine meeting a Marvel at school? Hi, I'm Dave. Nice to meet you. What's your name? Marvel Whitesides Parsons. It sounds like a Coen Brothers character. Yeah. Name. Yeah. So cool. <clears throat> so he changed it to, which still Jack, Jack Whitesides Parsons is great. He just Pretty sounds good. like a movie star or a comic book character or like a, maybe a guy is going to make rockets and fly to the moon, you know? <laughs> maybe. And uh, he... He was the Rocket Man, the original Rocket Man before. Who was that? Elton John was a Rocket Man. Mm-hmm. Well, um, he's, yeah, he's the artist that wrote the song. Yeah, yeah. I think he just sang it. I don't think he wrote it. I don't think oh, Elton John right. wrote, wrote a, any of his songs. Yeah, he had writing a, guy. like a pen pal buddy that basically just yeah. mailed him the stuff. Now he he yeah. performed the hell out of that stuff, oh, yeah. but he yeah. I don't think he wrote much actually. That particular one I thought was a little more autobiographical, Rocket Man. Yeah. Like him touring and... Have you ever watched uh, William Shatner's version of that? Yeah. yeah. That's the best. Flying up here alone. <laughs> the 70s was a gas. That's what they'd say. It's just a gas, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, if you don't know that, check out uh, you know William Shatner doing Rocket Man. But Jack Parsons was the original Rocket Man and goes way back before that. He was in his prime making rockets in the 1930s, I believe. Mm-hmm. That kind of went his... Yeah. But he started out really, really young. Like a mm-hmm. uh, brilliant kid from a wealthy family in, in Pasadena. Yep. And um, as young as the age of 15, he was just uh, fascinated with rockets. Mm-hmm. And before you go in the story, you kind of have to set the stage to understand back then... Rockets were ridiculed, right? So, yeah. in the scientific world, in the aeronautical world, and like if you were going around talking about making rocket ships to go to the moon or to even just to go to space, that was ridiculed. And people they didn't think the physics of it was possible. They, um, you were a kook, you were, you were, it was like talking about UFOs, they right. said you're crazy. And so, to be at a young age and to be obsessed with that, you'd have to be. Thinking outside the box, maybe a weirdo, maybe not, you know. Yeah, some of the conversation I heard was, given that he came from a place of privilege, um, it kind of set him up to, like, not put boundaries around ideas sometimes, you know. Like, when you don't want for anything, there is a lot more kind of just, the there's a lot more possibility. Yeah. Why, why can't I have a rocket that takes me to space? I get a limousine to take me to school. Yeah. I get to wear a suit everywhere I go. I get to do... The rest I mean, of us poor Irish were just, yeah. you know, meat and potatoes. But, I mean, some of these books you read about some of the more, you know, ambitious entrepreneurs, it's this mindset of, like, 
you know, opportunities abound, right? Yeah. Or if you listen to like great musicians or great writers or actors, a lot of times you'll hear this kind of like, oh, I was just too foolish to know I couldn't yeah. do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. almost like um, they, they were... Like, of course, I'm going to be a rock star. Yeah. And then later as an older rock star, they realize like how strange that is. And like, oh, I was kind of lucky I made it mm-hmm. as a rock star because yeah. most of them don't, you yeah. know, uh-huh. but some, somebody's got to make it. So he was, he was making rockets and he was, I, I don't know if you, do you have a, I know you pulled up some of a timeline from him, but maybe take it from there where the early history of, I, I mean, apart from being brilliant, um, he, he was introduced to the whole occult, mm-hmm. you know, devil worship, Satanist stuff at a young age. I yeah, mean, that's right. Yeah, there's, uh, he's quoted as saying that he tried to like summon Satan around 12 or 13. He calls it a fiasco. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it sounds like, at, at face value, it sounds kind of dismissive, like, oh, yeah, that fiasco. But the way that I've heard it referred to is almost like it, it scared the pee out of him a little bit, so he took a break from the Satanism for a few years, and then once he got like college age, he gets invited to the Agape Lodge, which was kind of like the present day cult of the time. Yeah, but that's a strange. Yeah, and I don't thirteen, I mean, fourteen, and going like, man, I want to go to space. Yeah, I, go, I know what I'll do. I'll I'll summon Satan to come up from hell and tell me how to make a rocket. <laughs> I didn't yeah, I didn't make the connection that that's exactly why he tried to summon Satan. I kind of I just thought, well, he just happens to have interest in both of these things. And he's into <laughs> explosions and he also thought why not try and get that Satan reminds me Yeah, but that's such a strange wouldn't you ask God to help you yes. make rockets? Oh, like that that reminds me like the uh the Norm McDonald joke about religions. Did you ever hear that? And he's like, he's like, goes like, oh yeah, you know, people are always arguing about this religion, that religion, and this one's true, that one's not true. And he's like, it seems to me there's only one religion that he's like, you know, it's not oh, right. true. Yeah. And it's the Satanist who claim to not worship God. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, well, why would you make a deal with the devil? And yeah, almost like, uh, hey, what do you do? I'm a loan shark. And then you go, can I borrow $20? Like, of all the people. Yeah. Or or it seems like, um, yeah, just a strange place to start. Like, what, what makes you think the devil knows how to make rockets? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what I thought, anyway. I just, I just think about myself at that age. And there was, I was afraid to even think about Satan. At the risk of him just possibly showing up. Who knows? Yeah. Right? Like, don't play with that fire. So, yeah, that's a bold move. To It's a bold move, Cotton. <laughs> <laughs> See how it plays out. So, uh, at a young age, there's some brilliant stuff happening and some strange stuff. I mean, you put your kid in therapy if you walk in on a seance or something. It's yes. Like, yeah. Hey, son, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Talking to the devil. Yeah, that's not, not good. That's not a regular boys will be boys. It's a departure from normative behavior. That's for exactly sure. what that is. Yeah. <laughs> now him playing with fireworks. I mean, that's kind of how this that, got its start. That's boy was, behavior. That's yeah, exactly. Weird. It's you mentioned he came from money. Um, his passion for explosives kind of was fueled by his uh, granddad, who was the patriarch of the family. He's mm-hmm. the one where all this money came from. 
and he bought a lot of the Chinese fireworks and stuff. And then he's not the only one, but like kind of a hobby people would do back then. That reminds me too. I'm not saying that rockets weren't developed then. Uh Like rockets were used in military action a hundred years before. Right. So for a long time, in military, like you, yeah, the Chinese invented rockets and you'd use rockets to shoot at your enemy and, you know, catch cities on fire. It was just once we invented better munitions, yeah, they, the military purposes kind of tabled rockets and said, well, that's an older technology. Right. And we're going to use because they, they weren't using it for the same purpose, but they did. Ex- the technology existed. Mm-hmm. It just was pretty primitive and it was just more like. Hey, let's go catch that village on fire. Right. Yeah, you know? they were yeah, they were used for more of like flame flower and munitions whereas the way I heard rockets rockets explained as I was looking into this was you're basically taking a stick of dynamite and opening one end mm-hmm. so that the explosion will propel you the other way, which I'd never really thought about when you're trying to launch into space, you're just sitting on a whole bunch of explosives and they're just they're going off and hopefully you're aiming the explosion in the correct direction yes. to get you to go towards space and not towards the ground. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, that's a real cowboy way to go about <laughs> traveling anywhere, I think. Uh, yeah, it takes a lot. I mean, that was also the thought, I think, from the aeronautical perspective was knowing the centric, the force of, of gravity, the force of the spin of the Earth. I don't know the math of it. I'm an idiot, but neither did Jack Parsons. Yeah, well, there you go. But you just know that yes, it's going to take an incredible amount of force to break the pole of the Earth's orbit. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, which is what he had to develop the rockets for. Yeah. So anyway, sorry. Continue with your story. Oh. Um, I was just saying, like, kind of the the beginnings of this is him playing with fireworks in his backyard with his granddad, and then over time. Uh, at some point he gets a job at a powder company and by powder, I mean like gunpowder, yeah. that sort of thing. And that's where he starts just learning everything he can about explosives and the chemistry behind all that. Um, he's just into trying to make rockets and make explosives and things like that. Um, in junior high, he makes friends with Ed Foreman, mm-hmm. who is one of the founders of uh, JPL industries later on. Uh, Ed is more of the, more of the mechanic, like the engineer, whereas uh, Jack is the the chemist. Mm-hmm. He's into explosions. Ed is more like, well, how are we going to turn this in, like useful. nuts and bolts, yeah. put this together? How do we strap it to an airplane? That's kind of yeah. where Ed was useful. Um, so yeah, just right out of high school, they they're going out in the desert and coming up with ways to Blow <laughs> shoot rockets up. up there. Yeah, and eventually. Did he get into Caltech or he was just friends with guys at Caltech and started working with them? Pretty, yeah, he kind of just befriended. Because uh, he didn't go to college, Caltech. right? Or no, yeah. That, out or yeah, that was kind of a, yeah, that was kind of a point of contention for him throughout is he kept, you know, getting into the science community and a lot of these accredited scientists were like, well, you're not bona fide. You don't have a degree or anything. You're, you're just kind of like a hobbyist, basically, mm. or just, you know, you play with fireworks. You're not a real scientist. Um, the third guy, the brain, Frank, uh, is the mathematician. And I believe he was the Caltech student. But yeah, Jack and, and Ed, the, the mechanical engineer, they did more just like hanging around the campus. They weren't necessarily like students at the school. Hmm. Yeah. 
And so eventually they get kicked off campus, right? Because they're blowing things yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they, I don't know if they got kicked off campus, but they got moved to like a building that was condemned or something. Right. But it yeah, was like they did. They they making blown people some nervous. Stuff up. Yeah, it, yeah. On and they, campus, and they yeah. called them the guys within his group. They were called the Suicide Squad. Yeah, because kind of real quick, people were like, "You're the guys. They're gonna blow yeah, something up. Yeah. Like they're getting pretty <laughs> crazy." So around campus, they were they were known as what they were doing, and this that would be a good if they did a movie about them, Suicide Squad. That'd be a great title yeah, for it. It's a pretty cool. That name. or White Sides. I still think White Sides, just because that's a cool name. Yeah, it is a cool name. Suicide Squad's a little misleading. It's like uh, the Expendables. Yeah, yeah, which is not not the same thing. No, <laughs> a lot of explosives either way. <laughs> <laughs> um, didn't, we, didn't we go see that together? When it came out, probably. I think we had like a bunch of guys get together yeah. and we all went and watched it. Such a fan of that it franchise. <laughs> I'm not recommending anybody go see it. I'm just saying it's a good time. It's what you expect. It's yeah. exactly what you expect. Yeah. 100% exactly. good and hard. They'll deliver. <laughs> um, so yeah, ramping up to World War II, the military starts thinking about, we're going to need to get planes to take off faster, like off of aircraft carriers and whatnot. And I'm not, I don't recall exactly, but they, they find Jack Parsons, Frank and Ed, mm -hmm. this suicide squad and start talking to them about word on the street is you guys can help us take our, get our planes to take off faster. Um, at which point, yeah, they've, they've create the, JPL, Jet Propulsion Laboratories Group, or some people call it Jack Parsons, Jack Parsons yeah, Laboratory. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you got these guys who aren't particularly into well, the. And he, I think Parsons owned several patents for this technology. Oh, the patent. That's kind of where he made his okay. his money was when the military started contracting yeah. for a lot of this, and yeah. it was then he was like, because he had, I could get this wrong, but I think that. There was like liquid fuel, but he was one of the first to use like solid fuel. Right. And yeah. that was a real game changer mm -hmm. for being able to build something that was more stable, reliable, accurate. Yeah. The way I understand it is part of what you're dealing with is your your temperature changes. If you're going to, if I'm going to transport rocket fuel, which is pretty volatile, um, having it as a solid and a little more predictable is a good thing. Um, like, if I put it on a cart on a train and it's maybe going to go through the desert at night, yeah. it's going to get cold and then it's going to get hot later. And yeah. Yeah. And you don't want it shaking around a whole bunch. So you're right. The solid rocket fuel is kind of like the big breakthrough moment for Jake, Jack Parsons. So, yeah. And these government contracts are where all this money starts rolling in for him. Um, and it's the beginning of world war two. Uh, and yeah, Jack Parsons now has all this money and he buys the parsonage. Yeah. <laughs> Which Jack in a nutshell, like if you're going to describe who Jack was and these people, they were, they were wild hippies about 30, 40 years ahead of their time. Yes. Yeah. So like some of the stuff that they got into, especially in Pasadena, you don't think it's that crazy, but you got to think like it's the 1930s. Like people are pretty square pretty at that point. Like yeah. it's not there. You don't have, uh, uh, Jolly West has not opened his clinics yet yeah. and started handing yeah. out LSD to uh, Charlie Manson and mm -hmm. all of his his people. <laughs> so he, yeah, he buys this, 
wasn't it the house that he grew up in that his mother had to sell? And then, yeah, it was his, it was his family house, I think. And if it his, wasn't, it was in the same neighborhood. So yeah. they came for money, but I think then after the, the divorce, they Great lost Depression money. The stock market crash yeah. is where they they lost that. Okay. Yeah. But you're right. Then he, he, goes, he goes back, back. and buys yeah. the house that he grew up in, which is like a huge 11, 12 yes. bedroom yep. house in Pasadena. And he calls it the parsonage. And then he starts renting it out. Mm -hmm. Like he, at like something ridiculous, like 1800 bucks a, a month in like our money. I forget what it would transfer, but it was a yeah, lot of, yeah. at the time, what, what was it, like 300 bucks a month or something? Yeah. It was for a, like a, a bedroom? Yeah, you're right. It was, I mean, yeah, it was like a hundred dollars a month, which translates, I believe to, yeah, $1,800 a month. But the thing that I, that got my attention about this was uh, the, the ad that he posts is that he wants uh, artists, eccentrics, eccentrics, like no not, one mundane. Yes. <laughs> and so I was, he, yeah. He posts an ad. <laughs> trying to get people to buy rent rooms, but he's very clear about like, you, you cannot be a uh, square kind of Christian Bible thumping. Which is just as counterintuitive as asking Satan to help you with a project. Yeah. Like, like if you want, if you want hey, reliable renters, <laughs> I want no one mundane. <laughs> yeah. He wanted to have a party. He wanted yeah. to have a house just full of debauchery and crazy. Yeah. Craziness. By all accounts, that's what he got. I mean, it's like Good just hard. a bunch of people walking around <laughs> without their pants on. And that, well, it didn't happen then, but he was also at the same time, I don't want to say a protege or like he was close with uh, Crowley. Yeah. Alistair, Alistair Crowley, Crowley yeah. who was at the time a famous author and also like famous Satan worshiper. Mm -hmm. Like he was known, he called himself the wickedest man alive or something. He called himself the beast. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think it's, he was named that because he was like, I don't know, I don't want to go too much into the story, but known for doing things. Yeah. His family early on was like, yeah. this guy's not good. Yeah. He's, he's a bad yeah. guy. But then Parsons develops a relationship with him where he's like calling him his father. Right. Yeah. And leads to, you know, running in circles with other people interested in Satanist mm -hmm. kind of weird stuff. And um, Crowley started his own cult, though. Right. OTC, was it? O-T-O. O-T-O, that's yeah. right. And um, basically, doesn't O-T-O start operating out of the parsonage? That's kind of their... Yeah, their course. home base was there. And yeah, that parsonage was... Yeah, that's, that's where the home base was. Uh, and at some point, L. Ron Hubbard... Yeah. Shows up. Well, because he read the ad and he said, "Yes, I am I'm not, not a, mundane I'm at not all. Mundane. <laughs> I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of yeah. a, a theta myself, yeah. or a zeta, whatever they yeah. call it." And uh, he moved in and uh, developed. They were they were like best buddies for a while. Like yeah. Jack so and Elron kind of skipped over the part L, where what's what's his first name? Actually? L Larry. Oh, L R H. I know is what everybody calls him, but yeah. I always I I used to think his name was Elron like E L R O N yeah one word but it's L Ron, Ron. Hubbard that's Hubbard. what I mean what's the other yeah. person Probably Larry. Lionel Richie Lionel Hubbard <laughs> um, we skipped over the part where Jack gets married yeah at is, a young age too yeah he gets yeah. married he's he's like nineteen he gets married to a young lady that's twenty four so older than him uh, and then not terribly long into this marriage you know he's got this wild ass house and uh 
his wife goes on vacation and while he's on his wife's on vacation jack Jack's takes an being, interest in jack he's just well it's the parsonage baby what do you want <laughs> um the cat's away and jack takes an interest in his wife's younger sister who at sarah, the time right yeah sarah or they call her betty for some reason um so by the time Jack's wife gets back from vacation. Jack's like, hey, welcome home. Uh, I'm into your sister now. <laughs> and apparently that wasn't that big of a deal. I mean. No, I think that within the OTO, like they yeah. they didn't believe in monogamy fair. anyway. So yeah. I think she was kind of like, oh, it's getting kind of crazy around here anyway. So right. I'm out. <laughs> she, yeah. And she, she found another dude and that kind of shook out. Wasn't also like um, one of the guys that moved in. He was an actor who played Frankenstein. Oh no, I missed that. Yeah, you might look it up. He was one of the big OTO guys, and um, yeah, he was Frankenstein. I forget the guy's the actor's name. Which one did he play? Was it the grandpa? No, Frankenstein. Oh, he played Frankenstein. Okay, whoever. Well. I have to look that up. I can't remember his name. It wasn't Fred Gwynn, was it? Look up Fred Gwynn OTO. <laughs> but anyway, so lots of eccentric people are getting drawn to this. He gets in a weird relationship with his sister-in-law, who it's an important point that she's underaged, underage yes, at yeah. the time. Remember that for later. Remember that later in the story <laughs> that'll come back to, to uh, haunt <laughs> Uh, Jack, as it often does for those of you considering yeah. underage women, <laughs> a cautionary tale from Jack Parsons. Um, so yeah, don't don't try and summon Satan. That's lesson number lesson one. Lesson one. Lesson two. Well, stay stay faithful to your wife. But lesson two point B: <laughs> If you are going to step out on your wife, don't do it with an underage woman. Yeah, or the sister. Of, yeah, it was also right. my sister. <laughs> Uh, was that him? I didn't find it yet. I'm still looking. Uh, we'll find it. But um, eventually, Elron Hubbard gets involved. They're like best buddies, and that's important because uh, he's, he he talks him into like starting this company where they're going to buy yachts. Yeah. And Jack's all about it, and he basically takes his fortune, and then also hooks up with the younger sister. Yeah, Elron says, uh, and they take yeah. off. He says it's, they got a lot of good deals on yachts in Florida, Jack. Uh, why don't you let me have all your money and your <laughs> and new your girlfriend? Hot girlfriend. <laughs> and he takes off, and Jack believed him until Crowley. <laughs> when you're getting when you're getting advice from the most most well known Satanist, who's like, I think you might have been. Had. Hey, I've got some weird ideas, but. <laughs> You really just give all your money to that dude? Like, can you imagine that conversation when Crowley pulls him aside and goes, <laughs> you know, I'm, I know I'm into like all the stealing and the murdering and the raping and all that, but <laughs> I think it's all it it's all going wrong. Kind of makes you. me think of like Will Ferrell playing Frank the Tank <laughs> and him pulling you aside and be like, bro, you got to take it easy. <laughs> I'm getting out of hand. I thought you were going to say uh, when he's playing Satan with the uh, oh, Garth Brooks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good one too that is good but yeah i like the idea i think it's a fender of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah the way i heard the story of uh parsons it's like like it often is when you feel like you got taken for a ride 
he gives his money to Hubbard. And he's kind of like, you guys have a safe trip. And about the time the car rounds the corner, he's like, hmm. <laughs> I have a bad know. feeling about this. Huh. <laughs> and then a few weeks go by. And so then he somehow tracks down Hubbard after it's obvious that he's just taking his money. <laughs> he's not giving it back. And he, then he's threatening to take him to the police. And I think that there's some communication back and forth and very then, little there's actually one story of uh somehow jack gets l ron on oh, the no, on yeah, the phone sure. no but remember he summons that's how well, he gets yeah, him we'll, back yeah he, he summons the devil that, to help I him think, again before that i think he gets l ron on the phone and he's kind of like hey man did you take my money and l ron hubbard's kind of like no no everything's fine and one of the other people in the parsonage over here is jack being just such like just such a shame like just such a sucker for it he's kind of like oh yeah okay I, I know man yeah you're the best you'd never do that it was like l ron hubbard had this weird power over jack parsons yeah. like and i think you know all these different little accounts i hear of jack parsons there are the instances where he wants to believe stuff mm -hmm. he wants it to be true which serves him in some ways he gets a rocket to take people you know to the space but um to the space it's like space. like the youtube the vacuum um, space but at the same time um uh, it's kind of like you know kokomo for a short time sold cars and, i didn't uh, know that but it doesn't surprise me at all <laughs> and what i he, bet there's a lot of things you could say about kokomo <laughs> for a short time he did this he go. sold knives yeah, yeah that sounds and, right encyclopedias yeah. cars he, he told me that uh, car salesmen are actually some of the easiest people to sell cars to. And it's kind of the same thing that makes them a good car salesman, mm. makes them I can see that. easily taken. It's like they want to believe what is being sold, mm -hmm. you know? And I think Jack Parsons is that same dynamic. It's that thing of like, I want to believe things are possible. And I really want to believe that L. Ron Hubbard is the genius that I think that he is and i really want to believe that we're good friends and he wouldn't do me wrong and as soon as he talks to l ron hubbard and just hears his voice on the other end of the line he's thinking like yeah yeah I, that's right no he's not he's not taking advantage of but me. that's okay. cognitive dissonance yeah like that's everybody has it to different levels but yeah it's um sometimes really smart people they're the best at convincing themselves of their own delusions yeah and they're, right. they're the hardest to pull out of it because they're so creative at thinking of new ways to buy their own, you know, nonsense. L. Ron Hubbard's in Florida. He's got the yacht. He's got Jack Parsons' girlfriend. At some point, Jack Parsons has got to get to Florida, and he's going to go to the hotel and seance this to an end. <laughs> but, um, but talk about when he causes the storm. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So yeah, so, yeah. But he's not in Florida when it happens, is he? Yeah, my yeah. He's down there and you yeah, can't find him. Jack. So yeah, Jack finally goes. No, nah, I think L. Ron Hubbard is taking me for a ride. I better get down to Florida and get to the bottom of this. And he he walks around the docks asking, "You guys ever? You guys seen any? You guys <laughs> seen any? Bunch of nice yachts <laughs> with a pretty young lady on it and a kind of weird looking. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking for a cult uh, starter. Yeah, and uh, my girlfriend and. Uh, Anybody seen anybody that fits that description? 
And at some point, yeah, Sailor goes, uh, yeah, yeah, we just sold a bunch of yachts to this fellow with ginger hair uh, and a young lady. They they took off. Um, so Parsons is very upset about this, and he holds up in his hotel room in Florida for a few days. And yeah, he calls on his buddy. <laughs> Who do you call? Um, yeah, he holds a seance in the hotel room, and to the best of our knowledge, it causes this. Well, yeah, it does. It cause I don't know. A storm. A storm happens, happens in or around at this, the at this, very same time. You know, shortly after Jack Parsons asked Satan to please bring Hubbard and his, yeah. you know, girl back. This a huge storm well kind of wipes out, them out. Yeah, the masts of the ship and pushes them up onto some rocks to where they gotta call up the coast guard or whoever to bring them back to shore. And there on the beach waiting for him is Jack Parsons. Yeah. To where he's like, yeah, I'm going to press charges. I want my money back. All these things. At which point Betty says, ah, not so fast. <laughs> Remember our little, uh, yeah, our little tryst. She, she, uh, threatens to have him yeah, arrested says, for basically statutory rape. Right. And then all of a sudden he's like, mm, eh, fair enough. Yeah. Yachts. How much of the money you got left, Hubbard? <laughs> it's like three or four grand. And he's yeah. like, all right, we'll just call it a day. Yeah, it's like a it's like ten percent of the money that L. Ron Hubbard took him for. I heard he different accounts. I heard someone say he took twenty thousand dollars. I heard someone say he took four hundred thousand. I heard the same two so disparative numbers. Yeah. I feel like it was more like four hundred thousand because he ends up giving him like that ten yeah. percent, like just like, hey, here's a few grand. But Jack was just pretty much like, all right, what's done is done. What it I, makes more sense if it yeah. was his whole fortune because he was making a fortune off the yeah. the contracts he had with the military. Mm-hmm. He had four hundred thousand dollars easily. Yeah, I yeah I understood he sold off assets like he sold his house to to do this yacht. Yeah. Venture. And yeah, I mean, it, to me, it sounds more like along the lines of $400,000, even in that times. So money. I'm I'm definitely not encouraging that you ask the devil to help you do anything, but uh seems like that will really pull through for him on this well, one. Well, if the devil's on board with anything, no pun intended with the yachts, but uh revenge. Yeah. Yeah. He's it's, down it's for that. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> so... But that doesn't stop L. Ron Hubbard and Betty from seeing each other. I mean, they they kind no, of carry they, on, right? Yeah, and uh, I think they were together for a while after yeah. that. And I think that I don't know what his relationship with Hubbard was after that, but I think that was kind of a break. Like, all right, yeah. we're parting ways. Yeah, even though he's not happy about it, but I think uh, Jack did kind of just chalk that up to like, all right, well, that is what it is. Let's just move on. Lesson learned. Yeah, don't give all of your money away. To L. Ron Hubbard. So, uh, what happens from there? He, by this point, he starts to transition out of the military contracts, or he's mm-hmm. not doing that as much. Yeah, and his his career kind of just start to go down mm-hmm. like a bit. Like he's he's mostly just working with movie studios, right. doing like on set explosions mm-hmm. and technical stuff. And he's also like uh, just as a munitions expert, he's. At some point, being like uh, contacted about like explosive cases, like he, he's at a courtroom oh, at some point about a bombing, yeah. and yeah. they're like talking about this uh, suspected bombing, and he actually takes the bomb into the courtroom mm-hmm. and tells him like, "Yes, this is this is a real bomb right here." And there's pictures of him holding it up, and then some. I, I don't know if he explodes it in the desert later, but then after the fact, everyone's like, 
oh my God, that was a real bomb. He was walking around the jury with a real bomb. Yeah. And, you know, that's Jack. Bit of a wild card, that Jack. Well, he probably, yeah, if you don't light it on fire, it's not going to blow anyone up. Yeah, the the connection there is pretty wild. It's It was a police officer in yeah. the case, right, that was uh, suspected of murdering another police officer yeah it was yeah it was like an internals and in, internal affairs investigation and yeah they were they were indicting these police officers that they suspected of taking out some other police officers by way of explosion and you're right they have jack come in as a uh expert witness well and another thing that we didn't really touch on that i think played a key role in the parsonage and a lot of this was that all of these people were doing a lot of drugs. Yeah. Like there was, yeah. uh, Crowley was like an insane heroin addict. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, Parsons, like they, they were all, I, I don't know about Hubbard. I mean, I don't know. He was, you know, not into that later in life, but uh, drugs definitely played a big role mm-hmm. and maybe some uh, strange behavior and not the most logical decision-making uh, on, on, don't say, you know, most with most of these most of these people yeah it is kind of like you alluded to it is what i think is like the first nuggets of what would become the hippie movement 25 years yeah later. that same area if you said 1969 this was happening mm-hmm. you'd think yeah this, this is about right. uh this is like just before the beatniks became the beatniks and then on to what became like hippies and mm-hmm. counterculture um and then as i was looking for who frankenstein was in that oto group i'm just kind of looking at the list of members that they had in the ordo templi orientis and uh it's a lot of what you'd think you would find in that kind of a group like lots of psychologists lots of ufologists lots of uh you know people that are into like kind of the outskirts of sciences um, mm-hmm. and so it's, yeah, it's just people that are kind of open to new ideas. Um, so yeah, this is like a pretty progressive culture at that time. So t- let's talk a little bit about Moonchild, oh. the Crowley book. So this is where I think it kind of transitions that Crowley wrote a book called Moonchild, right? Mm-hmm. And it I was- don't know a whole lot about that. Well, I know that the gist of it was, it was some sort of weird occult thing where they were going to, I don't know, it sounds so crazy, but it was like basically like uh, a miraculous, conjure some sort of miraculous inception, conception yeah, kind yeah. of thing, but of the moons, like some goddess of the moons. I'm butchering all this. I don't know, except I know it was weird. I know that the I looked into the book. The book was like not a great book, but... Um, it was a terrible book. It was about Satan. <laughs> no, but the the point was Jack kind of became obsessed with this idea. Mm-hmm. And he put in another ad, didn't he, for like, somehow, what's the redheaded woman's name that he meets up with eventually? Marjorie. With green eyes. Marjorie with a C. Cameron, I believe. Yeah. Whew, good job, I think he placed an ad for like a- No, like, my, no he conjured her up, man. He had, for like 40 days, he had- Seances. There wasn't something that he didn't post another ad for? I don't think so, because this was like... And L. Ron Hubbard was involved in this, too. Like, went to the desert with Jack for a while to, like, you know, he was trying to summon this girl into existence. Oh and God. it was after L. Ron Hubbard had stole Betty, the yeah. girlfriend, 
that Jack goes out in the desert and he's like holding these seances to. But she was very like it was for a very specific yeah like a redheaded woman yeah, right. with green eyes, yeah. and that's right because L. Ron Hubbard had green eyes too, and yeah. he was a ginger. Uh-huh. And yeah, eventually she shows up at his doorstep. Yeah. He comes back from his seance excursion and here's this striking redheaded woman in his house and they they, hook up and like yeah uh the rest is history yeah i mean she was with him till the end yeah Yeah. um what happened after that well you're right he is his career kind of gets rocky but what was my point with moonchild like they thought that she might be like the 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 they, they tried to do something like that. Like she might be the one. Yeah, the new. I think the that evil Mary or something. Yeah, it wasn't clear to me that whether he was trying to manifest this woman so she could bring this moon child to the earth, like give birth to this moon yeah. child, or if he was just bummed out that. But she fit the description yes. from the book, though, yeah. as far as yeah, that the, person. Yeah, like the very vibrant red hair, green eyes, um, and she that that woman started her own cult later on. I mean, she's a pretty wild character. She's pretty yeah. versed in cults at that point. So yeah. Yeah. She has she starts her own. Exactly. Once you yeah, once you figure out the bare bones, the fundamentals, I think no, you could do it. I think she's still alive today too. Like she became a very well known like avant garde artist slash, you know, personality yeah. in the uh Pasadena area and she passed away in ninety five. Oh did she? I thought she was still yeah. alive. Nope. Hmm. 95. Either way, she, yeah, even long after Jack was but yeah, born, she, she was well-known and she was always kooky and always just way, way out there. Um, yeah. So eventually there, there is a conspiracy that um, we, I'd have to do more research to get into it, but some people think that Jack was murdered. Right. That, yeah. You know, eventually the man, the rocket man blows himself up. Um, he's, you know, working on, uh, again, I think it's part of his contracting with like movie sets and like explosives, not specifically mm-hmm. for rockets. And he's working on one and it blows his face off, like half his yeah. face off yeah. and his arm. And, uh, it's kind of, it reminds me in the description of that, of, of like a two face from, you know, a yeah. uh, dark yeah. night. Like you look at it and it's like, ah, half of that's not there. You, you know, see that breaking bad. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Spring. Yeah. yeah. Same kind of thing. Like, yeah. Uh, it blows up and it's not good. And he's what was he quoted as saying? Like his last words were like, "It's I'm like, not, I'm finished. not finished yet. Yeah, I'm not finished." Yeah. And people think the people that think there might have been a conspiracy to kill him. Uh, a lot of it had to do with just how sloppy it was. Like they were like, he never would have made those mistakes. Like he he was very he was yeah, a rocket guy. You know, it's weird though because. Yeah, I've heard that. Uh, he was a meticulous chemist. But then we're talking about a guy that is partying, is behind off every night and coming in, you know, just like, you know, five o'clock shadow at 10 o'clock yeah. in the morning without his shirt on to report for work. To that make is rockets. a hell of a thing. So, yeah, he is by day a uh, rocket scientist, mm-hmm. by night satan worshiping sex cult yeah crazy drug addict like a like keith richard style life (laughs) yeah and he was having like he would have duels with his buddy like they would shoot their pistols at each other like live pistols (laughs) they would shoot at each other like 
you know, if you and I would square off, say, 25 yards away, and we just would see who could get closer to each other's toes, just firing rounds off. <laughs> so those sort of stories, I'm going, well, I don't know, how careful was this guy? Yeah, 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 I guess if you're... And you were in a group called the Suicide Squad. So I don't know if he was meticulous or not. Because you were summoning Satan at age 13. So how careful <laughs> yeah. could you be? It's a good point. But you did survive a lot of explosions up to that point. Yeah. So I don't know. But you're right. The I had not heard until today about some there's a, a report that the explosion was from the from under him. Like yeah. the like kind of like somebody might have planted it under the house. Yeah, kind of like uh, you know, if you were CSI and you said they broke the window from the outside, that sort of thing. Like this mm-hmm. explosion came from under him instead of in the room that he was at. So there is a, yeah, there's speculation that somebody planted a bomb under his home laboratory. Well, it was a crazy life. I think he was 37 when he died. Yeah. And so all of that being said, <laughs> NASA, well, we didn't even get into like Werner von Braun and like yeah. a lot, you know, he had a lot of connections at a young age with all these other space people, mm-hmm. even space Nazis like von Braun, who went on to run NASA, even though he was a Nazi. <laughs> um, it was a bit of a, the whole Jack Parsons thing, like the military, they knew how crazy he was, like as far as his lifestyle, mm-hmm. all this stuff, they were kind of, they needed the technology so much they were willing to look the other way and go, we just need the rockets. This guy knows how to make the rockets. We don't care if he worships Satan at night and does a lot of drugs and stuff, just make us the rockets. And uh, so he's kind of like a black sheep of the space program. They they don't like to even admit that he was, you know, doing what he was doing. And so uh, (laughs) they, they decided to name a crater after him on the moon, but they didn't make it a crater that you'll ever see. They picked a crater on the far back dark side of the moon and said, all right, Jack, there's your crater that yeah. no one is ever going to see. He's on the butthole of the moon. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's tragic. That's but, what you get. Uh, and I just picture like Satan just grinning and like, yes, yes. Yeah. It's Jack Parsons crater. <laughs> there you go, Mr. Parsons on the dark side of yeah. the moon. It's sad. But I promised you a legacy. There it is. And a legacy you shall have. And I think that's why we don't hear his name a lot. I mean, I don't think, yeah, I think that the uh, the government and the military and the space program, they've all, like, he's he's the a brilliant part of the history that they absolutely don't want you to know everything we just said. Yeah. Some, of the, <laughs> some of the names of the projects that they had in the outset of these space programs and some of the names of those first few rockets and things have ties into the occult. Um, Which also because goes Parsons because of the Nazis. The one naming them. Yeah. No, oh. but also because of the Nazis, oh, because a lot of these Nazi scientists like von Braun, the, the Nazis, were they were into the same thing. They were into all of these occult rituals. Hitler was a occult nut. Like he was, he, he had all wrapped up into his party. And, you know, that's back to the original thing we were talking about is like these ideas and like, where like what exactly is going on here mm-hmm. like why pray to like some you know occult thing why why do that like what belief systems what role is that playing and it is it it is strange to me that yeah like 
that's I think that's partly why these guys got along because they're like they're into the same thing, but the same thing is weird, evil stuff, not mm -hmm. like good, virtuous stuff, you know. Why exactly? I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a good long game to be playing. <laughs> I mean, it's back to that Norm Macdonald bit. Yeah. Of all the choices, this seems Worship like the, the guy worst that's telling one. you he's not God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's kind of like uh, a few years back, uh, a bunch of news stories like uh, uh, Marilyn Manson got me tooed. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> like, like he, like his ex girlfriend came out and they did a whole bit where she and she's like, yeah, he was like awful to her and it made her do all this. And it's like he literally told you he's the antichrist. Yeah, like that was his he thing said forever. He's a bad guy. It was very clear about I don't like good things. I like bad things. Yeah, and now you're surprised that he doesn't hold the door for you when you right. <laughs> yeah, walk through. Yeah. Like uh, I didn't have a lot of sympathy for her, but yeah, it's you know he he didn't hide it. He didn't hide mm -hmm. the ball. <laughs> I started dating this gangster rapper and <laughs> turns out he had a gun <laughs> and then we were at the mall and there was a fight and I know it's what he talks about all the time I yeah. just never thought it actually happened <laughs> <laughs> he cheated on me you know that right <laughs> oh gosh god bless him well Jack Parsons uh, I'm working on the song for him that uh, I haven't finished yet but it's going to be a good one it's, it's uh, probably not one that like only people that know his history, which I don't know if you've asked around, but nobody knows his history. Everybody they say, you know who Jack Parsons is, they have mm -hmm. no idea. And then when you start explaining the history, they're completely like, oh my God, no idea. Yeah. I didn't know anything about him until like last episode. You kind of I could tell you, you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> when you said, I've <laughs> I never said, heard I of don't him. know anything about this. That was my giveaway. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know why he's not more well-known. Definitely played a big, big role in our country's history. Well, I mean, that patent with the solid rocket fuel, is that's the beginnings of the space program. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's what he that's never, what got us or did not get us to the moon. He never got to see a rocket go to space, I don't believe, but mm -hmm. he uh, he definitely played, played a big role in it. And I think he played a big role in just like breaking through that barrier of... Like we were saying, like people just didn't think that was even possible. Yeah. And he was the guy that was just like, yeah, hold my beer. I can do this. And <laughs> then he did it. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, I think sometimes like if you didn't have that, like how long would it have taken before somebody else came along that was that crazy that would just be like, yeah, let me just show you how we didn't do this. I mean, who knows? It could have changed history. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, it just brought to mind like, Elon Musk with electric cars because every manufacturer now is rolling out electric vehicles. Which if Tesla, but he was the cowboy. Yeah, he had to be. If Tesla the, hadn't kicked the door down, I've heard a lot of people say. Long term, we'll have to see. But they, you know, they anticipate Tesla going under eventually. But owing that, you know, always being like, well, yeah, we wouldn't have what we have today without them. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, whether I mean, I don't know enough about any of that to say whether or not Tesla is going to see the whole thing through. But I do think that that was the breaking point to where like, if Tesla had not become popular in the last couple three years, we wouldn't be seeing everybody oh, coming out with electric vehicles. Th there's a, there's a, there's a market reason for doing it. I right. mean, why, why is everyone making EVs right now? Part of it is because of government influence, to make EVs, but truthfully, it's because they're awesome and fast and yeah. 
people are going to pay way more for them because they're awesome and fast. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Ford Lightning selling for over a hundred thousand dollars and MSRP is like 60, you mm-hmm. know, that's, that's why Ford is making Lightning's yeah. is because they know people are going to mm-hmm. pay a hundred, you know, thousand dollars for their truck. Um, but, you know, yeah, you always owe it to Elon will always be the guy that, well, he moved that forward, whether or not Tesla makes it in the long run or not, who knows. But, uh, I was, was going to say about that. I totally lost my train That's of thought. That's not to say that Elon's doing any kind of weird cult stuff. To, I don't think I've that I know. thought that, that like, because of SpaceX, it would be really interesting to ask Elon what he thinks of Jack, Jack Parsons. Yeah. And if you say, well, get him know, on here. Yeah. Get him on. I'll try my best. <laughs> um, Send him a mug. Which also will be on the store eventually. Once we get the store up, we'll get some conspiracy dad mugs. Anything else on Jack? Is that pretty much wrap it up? Oh, yeah. I mean, kind of like we were talking about earlier off air. Uh, you know, there's plenty out there once you start digging. Um, I think just his tie in with L. Ron Hubbard, and this is all predating Scientology is just wild to me that you go, we're talking about a guy who was a fictional writer of science fiction books, a guy who swindled Jack Parsons out of a lot of money. I mean, like yeah, has a real a track record of being Hubbard a dishonest guy. Episode. And then, and then somehow manages to shake all that off and start this religion or cult, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, he writes Dianetics, and then I think Dianetics was so popular that it kind of started to turn into its own religion. And yeah. then he realized that if he was a religion, he wouldn't have to pay taxes. And so right. he yeah. becomes a religion. Uh-huh. And uh, then you get Tom Cruise. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. <laughs> I listened to that Lex Friedman podcast with uh, about Scientology on the way back. Oh yeah, uh, from Missouri today. It was a good one, but it was also um, it's just sad. It's just tragic that yeah. like so many people get wrapped up in crazy. Uh, you know, especially him talking about um, even today, like talking about you know that's Leah Remini's uh, big hang up with Tom Cruise. As much as I love Tom Cruise as an actor, it's like kind of slave labor working for him. Mm-hmm. And like these people that aren't getting paid anything and are 50 bucks a week. And they, I mean, they run his production company. Mm-hmm. They run, I mean, he's a huge franchise. It's all wrapped up in there. And you'd think, you know, what, what the heck? I mean, I love his movies. I love the movies, but uh, I sure hope you're paying your people well for the things you're doing, yeah. but it doesn't sound like he is. It sounds like he's kind of got, I don't know the way she would say it uh, is uh Yes, yeah, like servants that just kind of do whatever you want them to do. Wish I had some. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I mean, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be mean to you. I just need help, like you know, getting the lawn got a lot mowed of things and to get done. You know, do the dishes and <laughs> you got five kids. Yeah, and a business to run. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening, for watching. Um, we are the uh, Conspiracy Dad Podcast, and. Please like, share, subscribe, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. I I don't even know what that's going to be yet. We'll think of something good. Please continue to put in the comments if you have a... uh, Don't say obvious things like moon landing or (laughs) 9-11. Obviously, that's going to be coming up eventually. But if you have some interesting conspiracy theories, send us the links. We'd love to check it out. And thank you uh, for watching. Cheers.